Check, check. There we go. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Burning Questions, the MSCTA podcast about the medical marijuana industry in Mississippi. My name is Melvin Robinson, Executive Director of the Mississippi Cannabis Trade Association. Yeah, big things happening. Yeah, I am now the Acting Executive Director and, uh, yeah, of the Mississippi Cannabis Trade Association. We focus on education, advocacy, and community. Uh, please give us a look at mscta.org. And, yeah, you can see some of the stuff that we do. Um, yeah, this is our weekly simulcast that we do on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, we are here today with a very special guest. But before I bring him on, I want to talk about the Lucky Leaf Convention coming October the 7th through the 8th to the Jackson Convention Complex. Uh, Lucky Leaf Expo is coming to Jackson, Mississippi. Explore more than 100 exhibitors, hear from a variety of speakers, and find out about everything being offered in, in the Mississippi industry and more at the Lucky Leaf Expo. You can register now at luckyleafexpo.com. Shout out to their team. They have been great so far. We're working on them with them on some uh, marketing materials and everything like that. So, yeah, make sure you are there. All right, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring in our guest today. Let's get him over. Boom, there we go. And as we always do every week on Burning Questions, I will allow you to introduce yourself and you can just go ahead. Uh, well, thanks, Melvin. Um, thanks for having me on the show tonight. Uh, also, want to definitely thank you and the MSCTA for what you're doing for the uh, Mississippi audience. So thank you very much for that. Uh, my experience over the last seven years, I've been in the uh, cannabis space. I ran a public company for over six years, which enabled me to work with teams all over the United States, helping them from startup all the way through operation, overcome some of their challenges, their hurdles, hopefully cut their learning curve down tremendously and avoid some costly mistakes. So uh, I'm actually an individual who's got uh, hands-on experience from the corporate world and the cannabis world combined. But thank you again, uh, Melvin, for having me here tonight. No problem. And, and your name is Terry Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought it was up there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we're here now. Uh, we're going to – so and you do consulting now with uh, your own firm, correct? That's correct, yes. Okay, yeah, Buffalo Cannabis Consulting and everything like that, yeah. So, right, um, just up Buffalo Cannabis Advisors, I'm sorry. Yeah, correct, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, so let's just give the people a little bit of, uh, a little bit of your background, you know, in the industry and everything, just a, mm -hmm. just a quick little run through. Well, like I say, over the years working in the space, I've been able to work for people from licensing all the way through, you know, the construction and operation, and then also all the way to selling their, their business uh, at the end. Uh, you know, looking at the retail side, the pluses and minuses, the hurdles you're going to over, have to overcome in a sense with that versus manufacturing versus cultivation, or if you're vertically integrated, how that can be an advantage, uh, you know, of course, you're controlling your supply chain. So, my, my biggest thing is uh, the experiences and the mistakes I've seen over the past seven years working with so many different clients to be able to hopefully, uh, you know, bring some uh, valuable information to help uh, the Mississippi audience uh, avoid those mistakes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. And we're happy to have you here. And uh, so what we were doing uh, this week, we actually sent out your um, your. Um, episode art for this episode we're telling people we're going to have a quick q well, a q a about everything uh well not everything but just some things 
in the Mississippi market once we've actually received our licenses. So we have businesses right. with licenses now, uh, and a lot of people are saying, hey, what do I do now? I've, I've been waiting on this for almost years now, and we, got, <laughs> we, we did our application. That got through. Now we have this license. What do we do? So we took some questions, put up a, um, a, a email address that they could contact me at with some questions, and we're going to just bring some over and talk about them now. Is that all right? That sounds good. All right, great. All right, so we're going to get into our first question, and that is from Alex L. Alex asked, I was interested in opening a dispensary business in Mississippi. I want to get a little more information on what I should actually do after I get my license. So, yeah, that's one thing. You know, right now we have over 120 um, dispensary applications. Dispensaries are going to be some of the more popular businesses in the state when it comes to cannabis. So, yeah, a lot of people are asking that. Like, what do I do? I have my license now and everything from there. So, so Terry, uh, with your all of your expertise and everything, what's some of the things that they need to uh, kind of think about after they, well, since they, you know, get gotten their license? So they just received their license. We're, we're going to talk about a dispensary. Mm-hmm. Where we, oh, okay. I just want to make sure, because there's a big difference between the, the three, by all means. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, with yeah. A disp- you know, so I know the dispensary license just being issued then. So I know that they have their business plan. I know that they have their, their location, uh, their design. Uh, but from that point, you know, what is it going to be four to five more months where they're going to have product available? So initially I would be making sure I have the relationships with the suppliers, meaning the, the cultivators and also the manufacturers. So you, you'll be able to have products on your shelf. Uh, as you're going through this whole program, though, I would highly suggest to get your uh, corporate affairs in order from day one. One of the biggest mistakes I've seen over the years in the business is people being so loose with their record keeping. So what I would suggest, look at your corporation initially, make sure you have all your contracts in place, all your partnership, your loans, whatever. Make sure you can get a bank account set up now. Make sure you have insurance in place. So when you're up and operating, you have to start thinking about all your HR, your hiring, your training. You have to think about all your operational and and also uh, understand you've got to have a good set of SOPs and they're, they're always in the works. There's always new rules and regs coming out. So you're continually updating your SOPs. And the, the great thing about an SOP is your playbook. You know, it's going to keep you from uh, in compliance. It's also going to keep your operation and also help in training uh, as you have turnover or if you're adding new uh, individuals to your team. So that's some of the areas I would initially uh, start with because, you know, now the fun starts once you have the license and knowing you've got four to say six months to have those doors open. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of Katie bar the door, Katie bar the door. Here we come. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so SOPs and everything. I know a lot of people, and I mean, an extremely part of the business, extremely important part of the business and everything. Um, and you, you know, you're just talking about everything from like turnover to just how you're going to actually run everything. I know a lot of people might wonder, like, what exactly would you sell in the dispensaries and everything? What, what, what? In your opinion and in your experience. How should a new a new dispensary owner go about that? 
You know, the one thing I, I've noticed, uh, there's been a very lack in inventory control in, uh, in dispensaries over my times and travels. And, you know, the one thing you see, you have inventory that you're not turning, not selling, and inventory sitting on the shelf that's not turning is definitely costing you money. And so what you have to look at is you think about your initial products. You know, what is your market, first of all? And look at the demographics. Now, there's companies out there that, you, of course, since Mississippi doesn't have any, demo, uh, any any data on this right now, what I would suggest is go and look at some of the other states. Look at companies like BDS Analytics, Headset, uh, New Frontier to understand the demographic from at, of, of what consumers are uh, prefer at this point. Is it more pre-rose? Is it more the edibles it's, and the beverages are coming on? But understand that. And then look at your demographics that you're going to be serving there in the Mississippi market. Again, what's their age? What's their income? And understand their, their, their consumer preference and then start looking to stock your shelves with those type of products. The worst thing you want is just take every product that comes to your door because you're not going to sell it. You know, if you have a company, let's say hypothetically has 10 flavors of edibles, maybe only three of those are selling. So why do you have all, all 10 of them on your shelf? Those other seven uh, uh, line items are not being turned over, which is costing you money. And they also can go bad on you because most stuff has an expiration date, of course. And that's very hard. That's a delicate, Melvin, you know, to give enough inventory, but also not have the excess. So that's why it's important to have a supply chain of relationships in order so you know you can get your product in a timely manner to replace your sold out inventory. And that's one of those things like you were just saying before, like building those relationships and getting to know your producers, getting to know your manufacturers, getting to really know everybody that you're going to that you're going to be purchasing from, from. Of course. And understand their supply chain, how often they deliver, et cetera, you know, because they only deliver on Mondays. You, you, you need to understand that they only deliver on Fridays. You, you understand, because, again, if you're out of a product that's in demand, you're losing money. If you have products on the shelf that you're not selling, you're basically losing money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very yeah. delicate balance. Yeah, it is. It is. That's, and that seems so wild because, you know, I think a lot of people. Well, I don't want to say I think what a lot of people are thinking, but it seems to be the assumption that, you know, once. Uh, this thing, you know, kind of kicks off and we have right. all this different product and everything like everything is just going to fly off of the shelves all of the time and everything like that. You know, right. Well, I mean, something you have to look at, again, is back to your demand. You have to look at, you know, the, 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 the population of Mississippi and then break down who would qualify for some of the conditions in Mississippi to qualify for a medical card. And then from there, look at about a three to five, you know, three to five percent adoption rate to understand what your, uh, your, your demand is going to be for the product as an entire state of Mississippi. Yeah. You know, I heard some numbers, 100 to 120,000 uh, registered medical patients is what they're estimating. So think about that. That's 120,000 120, for however many number of dispensaries and understand where they're located. There's more heavily populated, dense population in some areas. Of course, they're going to have more turn, uh, more volume than other ones in a sense. But you have to understand what's the actual market. It's not 3 million people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for the state of Mississippi. Because, you know, those are going to be in that 3 million market. You're going to have people that don't qualify. You're going to have right. minor, like minors that wouldn't qualify anything like that. Right. So, yeah, you, you, you'll have people that don't qualify. So, of course, it's definitely not that entire 3 million. No, it's not, you know, and it's, it's on the adult side, it's totally different because then just 21 and older, you know, but again, the medical, uh, you just have to look at that, that slow adoption rate in general before yeah. it's increasing your demand. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that question, Alex. Uh -huh. We want to go to the second question now. Okay, 
when setting up your books for your business, is it better to do it as a cash or accrual basis? That is from Jessica S. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Jessica. Um, you know, most, most of the dispensaries that they've started out were on cash basis. And as they found going forward, it, it would be best to be on accrual basis because accrual is a gap, is a gap accounting. Uh, one of the most important things you can do starting your business, though, is make sure you have a very experienced cannabis accountant that can set up your books properly because a lot of people don't quite understand the 280E effect. And so, um, Again, I can't emphasize the importance of having good financial hygiene is what I like to call it. Make sure you have your books in order from day one because you have to know your numbers to be able to run a successful business. And some of the things I saw over the years and I've worked with many companies, the financial hygiene was very sloppy uh, and they didn't really understand their cost of goods. They didn't understand the real overhead. They didn't understand the real impact of 280E. And so from day one, I would suggest getting that very experienced cannabis uh, accountant to help work with you either directly as or, or also or at least set up your books and help you close the books each and every month. And for the people who aren't aware of 280E, I mean, it could be a whole episode on that itself, but just a quick, can you give like a, just a quick yep. overview of what it actually is? Well, in a dispensary, the 280 hits you the hardest um, in, in a sense because all you can write off is your cost of goods. You cannot write off your labor, your rent, your utilities, your marketing. Now, some people try to get fancy, we'll call it, or cute and how they set up separate companies and try to run. Uh, I'll just say they're going to run the risk with the IRS. They come knocking on the door in general. But as a normal business, you would be able to write off your labor costs, your rent, your utilities, your insurance, et cetera. You're not able to do that and in, in the dispensary uh, because of that 280E. So basically you're paying taxes on gross profit. So if you buy a product for $10, you sell it for $20, you are paying taxes on that $10. There's no other uh, deductions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've mentioned that to people before. Uh, they, they didn't necessarily, you know, know about that ruling. And, and you know, if you're not in a, in a state that would sell cannabis, you would not know that. So, yeah, that's just one of those things that we kind of wanted to make sure people, you know, know about and uh, they understand, like, hey, this is one of the things that you're going to actually be dealing with. And that's just for, and now is that just for specifically dispensaries or is that for all plant touching cannabis businesses? Well, it affects all plant touching, but when you're in a grow facility or in the manufacturing, you have uh, some expenses you can, uh, let's call it, include into your cost of goods to lower your taxable burden. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where, again, back to that experience, uh, a, a cannabis accountant is going to be so important because, you know, you have to have your 471Cs, your worksheets in place, because uh, you're going to get audited guarantee you that and you better make sure you've got all the documents in place uh, to be able to defend your stance on what you consider a cost of goods yeah 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 uh the tax man cometh and he's oh, gonna yeah. come oh uh, there's no doubt about it in the cannabis space <laughs> yeah yeah Oof, yeah all right uh let's see but also back to the taxes, though, you know, oh, you got to yeah. make sure with the, with your books set up. So you've got all your taxes paid on time and you got to have those tight books. So when you do get audited, you're able to prove, you know, your numbers in a sense. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. back of napkins or a loose piece of paper in a folder. You've got a real set of uh, accounting books that are closed each and every month. And you've got all your entries that you can prove to the uh, IRS or the auditor that uh, everything is legit. In your experience, you know, dealing with different companies, 
and you dealing with the IRS, do you see them uh, kind of treat cannabis companies differently than they would, uh, let's just say, like a non-plant touching business or anything? You know, I, I, I'd say that they probably, if you're in the cannabis space, they, they're already your target. Let's just put it that way, even some ancillary or if you're plant touching. Uh, but the ancillary, of course, has a lot of expenses. They can, of course, write off. They're more of a normal business than the plant touching. But, you know, the IRS is continuing increasing their uh, uh, their audit or their force, we'll call it, for doing these audits. And, and so it's only going to increase because they know uh, it, it's um, – they know there's money to be had. Let's put it that way from the IRS perspective. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. They're going to get theirs. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. All right. Let's look at this one. Thank you, Jessica. Appreciate that one. Uh, we have another question here from Gunner. I've been to different states researching the cannabis industry and one thing I've noticed is that there are so many different products someone could buy at a dispensary. It could be overwhelming. How does the business decide what they're going to So that kind of going back to what we had talked about before, um, just going back and deciding what you're going to sell and everything. Let me ask you this. Um, how would, and I know you're talking about demographics and things like that. What are ways people can, when, when we actually start getting this information and everything and all these trends, what's the way people can get the information on the demographics? Well, like I say, there's there's a lot of companies out there that provide demographics. Uh, BDS Analytic is one. Uh, Headset, New Frontier, and there are other ones out there that provide uh, data on the consumers and what they're purchasing. Uh, so that was what I would start paying attention to. But unfortunately, since there's nothing for Mississippi right now, you have to just kind of look at like markets in a sense. You know, if I got a person 21 to, to 30 male that's making X amount, these are their hobbies or whatever. We kind of understand what their 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 preference is going to be. Where if we're yeah. dealing with say fifty five or older, their preference may be totally different on the way they consume it. Some may want to drink it, some may want to eat it, some may want to smoke it. So just understanding what other uh, like consumers in other markets uh, are are their preference at this point until you get real data in the state of Mississippi. Mm, okay, okay. And now I will say one thing, and just my personal experience. You know, going to different uh, states that's wow. legal and everything. Flower seems to still be king everywhere. It is, you know, pre-rose is something that's really been taking the the market here recently. It was, you know, the concentrated vapes, but all of a sudden the pre-rose are really starting a good a good part of the market share. You know, beverage over time is going to be a, uh, you know, a good piece of the market share in general. Uh, beverages are going to be more like a sociable edible, we'll call it, you know, so that onset's a little quicker so you can enjoy, um, you know, like an alcohol type drink. So that market's going to become Going on, uh, it, it just takes time because of the flavor issue. Is mostly been their, their setback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Fact, right. So with and you know down here we like to eat in Mississippi. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's one thing we do. So I, I do really think that uh, the edibles are going to be something that's going to be very popular here. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Right. And be careful with those. That's all I want to suggest to the, uh, all the consumers out there. Don't be one of those that take one and take a few more. And next thing you know, you have a bad experience. That's not yeah. a good way to start. So ease into the uh, the edibles and understand exactly what your body uh, needs and wants. Yeah, you don't want to just go off, you know, on the deep end, <laughs> you know, follow the instructions. 
And also, you know, when you're in a dispensary and you're talking to the staff and the people there, make sure they know, like, you know, you can ask them questions and, and I'm going to assume a lot of that will be happening now, especially in this new market with a lot of people who've never been in a dispensary or, or never really, you know, tried it. You know, they, right. they have people there that are trained, that mm-hmm. are knowledgeable, that can tell you, that can assist you with what you what you need and what you want to get and can suggest different things. So, please, when they tell you to, hey, this is the dosage for it, you know, right. they tell you, hey, eat half, wait 45 minutes or to an hour. If you don't feel anything, eat the other half and that's it, then do that. Yeah, don't, right. don't just swallow an entire brownie or anything like that, no. Of course. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great guidelines, but again, everybody's going to function different. And that's yeah. the whole point. You, yeah. t- you, you can always add to it. It's hard to take it away once you've consumed hard it. Hard <laughs> to take it away. It is hard to take you know, it away. You, you got to enjoy the experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Gunner. Look at this one. I've heard about how difficult banking can be in the cannabis industry. Can you explain <laughs> some of the ways I can find secure banking for my business? David, yeah, and you know, we were talking about 280E, but also um, cannabis is still federally illegal. Uh, There are uh, bills, you know, in the Senate right now that deals with cannabis banking and everything, but I, you know, just let's talk about that because a lot of people are going to, you know, need it. A lot of people don't understand how much cash is actually just used at these dispensaries and these different businesses and everything. So, yeah, um, what's what's some safe banking or some 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 ways they can deal with that issue well just just know it's going to be a challenging and expensive but banking is an absolute uh i don't know what uh banks in the state of mississippi or credit unions now have decided to uh bank in the cannabis space or not however if not there's other companies out there that do the compliance on the front end that feed into these support banks now these banking services will provide you you know normal check writing account you know uh, ACHs, these types of services no loans by no means but they at least provide you other banking services there is a fee for that a monthly fee and then the cash is the big thing how do you get the cash in the bank well you'll have to retain an armor service of course there's a fee for that and then most of them charge uh, so much basis points on the cash that you're receiving and please understand from a safety perspective and also just being able to prove your numbers again back to being audited a bank account is so important now when you look at how much cash you may be dealing with just think about again back to the number of transactions you're looking at to do a day if you do 50 let's just call it 50 transactions a day at the dispensary and let's call it 80 dollars for an average then multiply that times seven or whatever. You're seeing what, how much cash you're going to have in general always in that facility. Of course, you're going to keep it in a safe, but again, you've got to get it in your bank account so you can use it to pay bills and payrolls. So getting a bank account is going to be very challenging, but just know that you definitely there, there are providers out there that provide this front-end compliance that feed into a bank, uh, and you can do bill paying, vendor pays, everything, and I highly suggest searching and sorting these out and pay the money it's well worth it just for the safety and the time uh and also the record keeping yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah i mean you want to make sure you got tip-top records you want to make sure you got you know some access to banking but it just seems like well i would i would hope that people can figure out that there's a lot of oversight and a lot of regulation of this so yeah you want to make sure your paperwork is you know top tier you want to make sure you're 
you're uh, dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's for sure. Oh, yeah. Because compliance with cash handling is so important, you, you know, uh, all the way to the funding, but back to the, the, the being audited or, or the paying your taxes to be if the state comes out or the IRS, you know, this bank is so important because all your funds are going in there. You're, you don't have a cash box and you've got receipts and all this. You have that bank statement and, and where it's going to really help you in 12 months, let's say that you're in business, you actually can get debt funding now in the cannabis space at it, it, normal rates than before. We used to see them, you know, 25 to 50%. We're seeing more now, you know, 10 to 50 15% range as long as you have 12 months of bank statement. So that's why, it's, again, it's important to be sure to get that bank relationship uh, set up as soon as possible. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's, it's just a lot. And Oh, it know, is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And before I had a lot of people, you know, when they would contact us, uh, they were kind of, you know, just, hey, I have a... I have a uh, shed in my backyard and a dream. I'm ready to get at it. And, you know, I would say, no, it's not like that. Like, this is a full-fledged, like, right. <clears throat> business. You know, this is a full-fledged mm-hmm. industry. So, yeah, it's, a lot to, it's a lot more to it than just, you know, growing. Yeah, it is heavily regulated in compliance. And, you know, when, when the state starts coming out and doing inspections and audits after up and op- operating, you know, it's going to be very challenging. That's when it's going to be so important to have that foundation built from day one from your compliance perspective. You know, I come from the securities industry, so I'm very familiar with highly regulated industry. And this cannabis is even more. And a lot of the operators don't really take it uh, as serious as they should. So that's one thing I would say. Make sure you're very tight on your compliance. Otherwise, it could easily put you out of business. You lose your license. And then what do you have? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Losing your life. I think no one wants to lose their license. I, I don't no. think anyone here wants to. Yeah. No. But it could happen. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's so important to, to have the compliance and all the record keeping in place mm-hmm. from day one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, you know, dealing with these different businesses and everything, and you've been doing this for so long um, and just you've seen states open before their their um, medical program and everything. What's some things and I know each state is different, but, uh-huh. you know, it's still the same commodity and, you know, the same product and everything. What's something you've noticed once a state opens up like just something you've kind of picked up on that happens in each state, if anything does anything like that? Well, most of the states enjoy the revenue they receive from it. That's <laughs> first and foremost. Uh, and once the program gets up and running, you always have the, the adult now trying to get pushed through. You know, so that's what we'll probably see in Mississippi over the next two to three years is trying to get the the, uh, the adult on the ballot going forward. But that the biggest thing I see is just they'll continue tweaking the rules and the regs, uh, you know, to, to, to help tighten the, 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 the system up for them. Yeah. Uh, Cause one thing, you know, uh, a lot of people, when we were talking to people, they, they knew about Oklahoma and they would say, well, you know, Oklahoma is, is just the wild west and everything like that. But you know, with Mississippi, we already have seed to sale tracking in place. We already have an office in place for medical right. cannabis through the department of health. It seems like we have a lot, what, not that it seems, but we, we right. have more regulation already in place and a lot of things already in place, regulatory matters in place to make sure everything runs correctly and 
you know, Mississippians can get some really good products. Yeah, that seed to sell is so important. You know, uh, I mean, you know, everyone hates it, but it actually can be a great tool for you for understanding. You know, a lot of your production. Uh, you know, also doing audits, cross checking versus your POS systems to understand again that everything is uh, in line and there's no uh, mishaps or miskeys. We'll call it. Yeah. When it comes to testing, what what's some of the um... What's some of the things you like to see as far as testing facilities or like testing standards in the state? When you say testing, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. You know, you're talking about like a testing lab for all the products. Yes. Well, you know, it all depends on that from the state. What uh, is allowed to be used in growing? What type of fertilizers or additives to make sure those are not in there? But you know, it, there's all types of uh, ways of growing cannabis that it cannot be. It's not healthy for you. Let's just put it that way. You know, so besides testing the THC, CBD, and the cannabinoids. People need to look at terpenes. Terpenes are more important than THC. So many people buy THC. What's the highest THC? 32%. That's what they buy, but it may not have the right effect or be the right for them. And so understanding terpenes is one thing I would highly recommend all the patients of Mississippi uh, learn a little bit about, but also the testing facilities provide terpene profiles would be a great benefit for the the patients of Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you have the, the... The um, the QR codes you can just scan right. and it brings up your entire profile right there and you can right. see everything. Exactly. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, right. and, then, and then as a consumer, though, you kind of keep up with that, so you yeah. understand what works for you mm-hmm. going forward. You, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because again, everyone's body is different, so you got to mm-hmm. make sure again what works for you works for you. Right, right. Because yeah. everyone goes off of sativa or indica. Well, I know a lot of people that consume sativa and they go to sleep and sativa is supposed to get you up. Yeah. So, again, it, it's all about what works for your body, what your system needs. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, those were all of the questions that uh, okay. we had sent in. I want to thank everybody that sent in questions. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to kind of like explain to people or offer to people if they you know need your contact or anything like that? Just just this is the time you can give it to them. Okay. You know, one thing I like to say is uh, don't go into this industry think you're going to make millions like so many people have thought in the past. And it's a rude awakening. It's just a very large, very long uh, journey. It's very difficult. You're going to encourage, uh, encounter all types of challenges and hurdles that you'll have to overcome. But you can do it by all means. But one thing I would highly suggest, I've seen so many mistakes out there uh, with other operators because, again, they didn't start off having good guidance. And most of the problems I've seen could have been avoided if they had good legal advice, good accounting advice, and consultant work. But when I say consultants, I mean from people that actually has a track record, not someone that's read High Times or grown a plant in their mom's basement. And the money you pay these consultants and these professionals can definitely cost you, uh, can save you a tremendous amount of money and headaches going forward. And if any would like to reach out to me uh feel free to i'd love to, to help anyone i possibly can in that market uh you can reach me at info at buffalo cannabis advisors.com or also at 501-529-7066 and melvin i don't know do you can you you post that uh, yeah i will put that in okay. right now in All the right. comment section uh let me see do 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 <laughs> Make that in 
Uh, I I'll tell you what, I can put it in the description okay. on the video. Yeah, I can put it in the description okay. on the video, and we'll okay. have your bio and all that, and people can just okay. contact you cool. from there. Okay, sounds great. Uh, thanks everyone this evening, Melvin. Again, thanks for having me on. Thank you again for what you and uh, MSCTA is doing for the state. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Okay, great. Hey, and listen, Terry, thank you for coming. Thank yeah. you for helping out. You were at one of our big events. Help uh, the panel for the uh, licensing information right. that we had in uh, May. Just a wealth right. of knowledge. I really thank you uh, for everything you've done right. in you know in the industry, and just thank you for you know assisting us with everything that we do. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great evening, everyone. Oh yeah, you do the same. And that has been another episode of Burning Questions. I am Elvin Robinson, Executive Director of the MSCTA. Uh, you can uh, go to mscta.org to look at everything we do. Go to our resources panel if you are trying to open up a business and you can look at a checklist from the Department of Health, the Department of Revenue for everything you need. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member of the MSCTA, go to our members uh, page. You can look at what each tier gets you. And you can just email memberships at mscta.org. And uh, we'll try to get you in there as a member. All right. And again, this has been another episode of Burning Questions. I want to thank you all for watching.